0: You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. This past week I was over at Johnson Street talking to a guy It's a, named Mark. He's a thoughtful, intelligent guy. I had a long conversation about just about everything in the world. It's pretty wild. And uh, at one point... He's talking to me, and at at this point I haven't really sort of preached the gospel in any concrete way to him, but he's talking to me and he says, man, tell you what, I've looked into every single religion in the world, and I have to say, Christians are unique in their desire to convert everyone to Christianity. It's like, they want everybody to be Christian, nobody else really seems to care, Christians seem to care. It's like, and some of my friends get really mad about it, and I just tell them, hey man, they're just doing their job. You know, Jesus, Jesus gave them a job and they're just trying to do their job. And I was like, that's awesome, Mark. This guy, I mean, in a weird way, you know, he called himself like an agnostic universalist, something like that, but he understood something fundamental about Christianity, kind of what I've been talking about recently, that we have a job, and that job is to preach the gospel. And today I want to just prepare the ground a little bit more as we kind of get ready during this Lent and Easter season to dig into the details of, of the preaching of the Kerygma. First, as always, Christians, we look at ourselves before we look out to the world in order that we can ready ourselves. In doing this, I want to look to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, our second reading, and to our gospel. And I wanted to look to our first reading, too, we just don't have time. So, second reading, the gospel. First, Jesus gives us our destiny as Christians. He says, we are salt and light. It's not like he's saying this is what we ought to be. It's just that we are. It's just who we have to be as Christians. So food, food without salt, we all know. It's just, it's not food. It's just survival. You know, life without light is just sort of aimless wandering for the vast majority of the day. And these things are incredibly noticeable. I mean, if you're eating bland food and then suddenly you eat a properly salted dish, it's, it's going to stand out. You're not going to be able to ignore that. In the same way, you walk into a dark room and the lamp will inevitably draw your eye. So we cannot go unnoticed as Christians, but that's often our goal. We just kind of want to slide through. We just want to be ignored and go about our daily lives. We don't want to be the center of attention. We don't want anyone to notice us because we feel unworthy of that and we're afraid. Paul, I, I find Paul to be amazing in his, I guess I'd describe it as like a confident humility. At times he's, he almost seems to be talking trash and at other times he has this incredibly sort of subdued personality. So today he kind of displays both in the same reading. He says, I come to you, the Corinthians, I come to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. If we're afraid of being that sort of city on a hill or the lamp that gives light for all to see, just know that St. Paul, who was the greatest evangelist in the history of the church, dude wrote most of the New Testament. He's a larger-than-life figure. It's it's unbelievable when we think about the impact that Paul had on the Christian church and yet he was terrified going into his missions and why was he afraid well because he didn't have the rhetoric of the day he didn't have persuasive words which was the way in which you spoke instead he says I came to you with a demonstration of spirit and power that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on the power of God spirit and power what does that mean now, maybe Paul performed some great miracles. That is probably true at certain times in his life. But if any of you have ever witnessed a miracle, as I have in my life, it's, it has an incredible impact right away, and then within six months you're like, did that really happen? I don't know if that really happened. And then within a year, ah, could have happened or not happened, doesn't really matter. You know, it just fades. And that's, that's what the miraculous does. It's always a means to an end. So I don't think Paul's talking particularly about that. I think he's talking about much more, which is the Holy Spirit's priority of our soul, that the sanctification of our soul is what the Holy Spirit is after. And sometimes that involves miracles in order to open our hearts. But that's not primarily what the Holy Spirit is interested in. So Paul lived a life that was just palpably led by the Holy Spirit. It was just obvious that he was different than those around him. And that's what drew the Corinthians to him, a life of true generosity and sacrificial love. So this is our examination for this week. Now, as we prepare our hearts for mission, we first look at our own lives. And the first question would be, do I actually live differently because I'm Christian? If I look at my neighbors or my friends, Maybe those who don't practice any faith at all. Is my life different than theirs in any way? I was talking about one of my Bible studies about this this past week and asked that question, you know, is, is your life different because you're Christian or do people know that you're Christian? And one of the guys, he's courageous and, and saying, he's like, man, I think if someone hovered over me for the whole day, we wouldn't even know I'm a Christian. And I think he was judging himself really harshly in that moment. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Completely, but he was letting himself be convicted and I think we all need to let ourselves be convicted by this question So I'll just ask a few questions and we can kind of do an examination together for a moment First in basic stuff like do I just eat out at all the same nice restaurants as everybody else as often as everyone else does Do I vacation as much and as lavishly as the next person? Do I drink or gamble too much? Do I live in the nicest possible house I can afford and drive the nicest possible car I can afford? And if so, why? Do I spend too much time on my hobbies and not enough time at work or with my family? Do I spend too much time at work? Am I wrapped up in the petty politics of the day? Do I let it drive my emotions and decide how I treat everyone else? Do I spend my evenings in a semi-vegetative state before the TV or playing video games? Am I always in a hurry? Am I always late to something because I'm doing too much? Do I walk by the poor man or woman on the streets? And do I do it because I'm afraid of them? Or do I do it because I despise them? Or do I do it because I'm ashamed for some reason that I don't understand? Do I hate that I was born today and not born at another time? No. if these questions which are just the beginning of a a sort of real examination, if they speak into your life in an uncomfortable way, which they speak into mine in an uncomfortable way, these are pretty much all the questions I wrote for myself, but I figured I'm a human, and so everyone else might relate. If after examining my life, I realize that it's not very different than anyone else's, because I'm a Christian, then that's, I think, for so many of us, at the root of our fear of preaching the gospel, which is, I want to invite someone into the Christian life. But what does that even mean? Because my life is the same as everyone else's. So what, am I, what exactly am I inviting them into? And if they ask that question, what am I gonna answer? So what does it actually mean to be a Christian? And that's not a question without an answer. It actually does have one. So let's return to the gospel. And I wanna, I wanna dispel some of the fears though because if you think like, oh well, if I start living this way, Everyone's just gonna be looking at me all the time. That's not the case. So we are a lamp in a dark room or a city on a hill in a wilderness. When we find ourselves in this scenario, you walk into a dark room, there's a lamp. Do we just stare forever at the lamp? No, it's the instrument that allows us to see the world clearly in the darkness. It lights up the darkness and in a sense dispels fear. So the lamp is the instrument in order that we might see. We are salt. What does salt properly applied do? If anyone's ever cooked with me, I put a lot of salt on things, but I do it properly. Not at the end. You put the salt on before you cook, while you're preparing. And if you do so correctly, you will not taste the salt. If you taste the salt, you're doing it wrong. Everyone knows that. If you put it on properly, it just dissolves into the food. It ceases to even be visible, and all it does is enhances everything else. So that's who we are in the world. We're not supposed to be looked at all the time. We're the thing that brings taste and life to the world. So this brings us back to Paul. He says, what is, what is he actually preaching about today? He says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the cross, we preach the cross, why? Because it's all we have. It's the only thing we have to preach. You know, St. Cyril of Jerusalem wrote this beautiful letter about preaching the cross. And he says this, he says at Siloam, where Jesus healed the blind man, says, there was a sense of wonder, and rightly so. A man born blind had regained his sight. But what importance is this when there are so many blind people in the world? Lazarus rose from the dead, but even that affected only Lazarus. What of the countless number who have died because of their sins? Those five miraculous loaves fed 5,000? Small number compared to those all over the world who are starved. It's true. It doesn't matter how many miracles Jesus does. It's not enough, because it's not enough for God to heal a few or to save a few. He must do something definitive, something real and something permanent. Otherwise, what sort of God is he? The cross is his answer to this. And the cross is what it means to be a Christian. When we ask, what does that mean? The cross is the answer. Paul tells us, if Jesus hasn't been raised, your faith is in vain. And he has been raised, and this should transform our whole reality. Our lives should look different because of that. It transforms our whole view of the world and our whole idea of the future and our whole idea of the past. So we invite that grace of the cross into our hearts and just see what the Lord does with that. He will cast out everything that's not of him, everything that isn't directed to his kingdom. We will cease to desire because there's so much greater things that he's offering. And then we will find ourselves to be the true salt and the light of this world.